Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And we're, we talk about polygamy on this show, if you've been watching us for very long. And of course, polygamy <laughs> was required in early Mormonism, along with the teaching that God the Father was a polygamist and Jesus Christ yeah, also was a polygamist. Right. And we're happy to say that's not true. Before we get started on today's show, we want you to know that we do help people leave polygamy and we continue helping them after they leave. You can call our toll-free number 1-877-425-9993 for a private and confidential conversation about your situation and how we can help you. You can go to our website, shieldandrefuge.org, to find out more about our ministry. And if you want to contact us about any of our shows or be a guest on our show and tell your story, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. And our show is also available on iTunes podcast, or the audio can be downloaded from soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis. And of course, you can go to our website, our main page uh, on the website for more information. <clears throat> and now I would like to thank and welcome our co-host, Earl Erskine. Thanks for, for having me again. Appreciate sharing it. Sharing in our, in our tears such, and our laughter. <laughs> such fascinating stuff. I've, you've, you've been teaching me a lot. <laughs> well, it's, it's mo most of it's in the history of the yeah, Mormon Church, isn't sure. it? This is part two of our series that we're doing on Brigham Young. We've talked a lot about Joseph Smith, but not so much about Brigham Young. So. Uh, that's what we're doing now for a few shows. We ended last time with some of the details of Brigham Young's polygamous life. <clears throat> how in 1863, at the age of 61, he married 24-year-old Amelia Folsom. And it was her first marriage, and she soon was rumored to become his favorite wife. And of course, with almost 40 <laughs> years difference in their ages, it's not Young difficult girl. to imagine that she yeah. would be his favorite wife. And still today, young girls in polygamy are married off to much older men. When Brigham Young died, his oldest child was 52 years old, oh. and his youngest child was seven yeah, years old. It's amazing. An interesting tidbit is that 10 of Brigham Young's plural wives divorced him. We quote. Yeah, this is from the Brigham Young Papers. The first documented divorce was from Mary Woodward on 13 December 1846, his wife of less than a year. In a brief but warm letter that day, he wrote, In answer to your letter of yesterday, I will say you may consider yourself discharged from me and my counsel, and added that he would be glad to help her if she or her children were ever hungry. So the very <laughs> short marriage, right. plural marriage, and she got a divorce from him. At the time of their westward immigration to Utah, two women who had been sealed to Brigham Young in the Nauvoo Temple left him to marry other men. One of them asked for a release from the marriage, and it went like this. Well, I, was, I was asking <laughs> you earlier, did they actually marry with paperwork or anything? Was just their just journal entries, the, just the church paperwork. Yeah. Not, there's okay. nothing legal going so on. So when he it. says this, on 18 June 1851, Mary Ann Clark Powers wrote from Canesville, Iowa, I wish you to release me from all engagements with you for time and eternity. 
Yeah, and it, and it would have been just a church thing. And yeah. sometimes there was just personal diaries that, okay. that these marriages were recorded in. And, of course, Brigham Young granted her request. Yeah. There's a little book, and it's not very well known, and it's written by John J. Stewart, published in 1961, entitled Brigham Young and His Wives and the True Story of Plural Marriage. The author was a Mormon, and he was a professor at Utah State, uh, mm. State University who wrote this. And on the front flyleaf of the book, we read this. Here is one of the most fascinating and important books ever written, a book which should be in every LDS home where the youth of the church as well as adults can read and profit by it. I find that interesting because this is definitely a pro-polygamy book and why it was considered so important and beneficial for Mormon youth and adults to know about this pro-polygamist attitude, yeah. I don't know. This was 1961, <laughs> long after the manifesto. Yeah. And the Encyclopedia of Mormonism leaves out important details of Brigham Young's polygamous doctrines and practices. In fact, they cleverly <laughs> glide over his prodigious uh, polygamous marriages and his sermons that commanded polygamy for salvation. Now, Stewart wrote about the Mormon doctrine of plural marriage and then his take on Brigham Young's polygamy. He wrote that there is much ignorance and conflicting views about polygamy and that it is probably the most misunderstood yet sacred doctrine in the Mormon church. He wrote that the more sacred a doctrine, the more bitterly Satan fights against it. Well, if that's the case, maybe that's why Mormonism fights so bitterly against the doctrine of the Trinity <laughs> and salvation by grace alone. He said that LDS people feel shame about their history of polygamy. We quote this. I am asked questions as, is it true that Joseph Smith had more than one wife? Why did Joseph Smith teach polygamy? Why did the prophet's family leave the church? Or more distressing, isn't it a shame that such a fine man should have gotten mixed up in that polygamy business. <laughs> now, he denies that Joseph Smith got mixed up in that polygamy business. It was a revelation, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and on page 10, he writes this. If we properly understood this doctrine, we would not feel critical nor ashamed of it. So as a Mormon, did you feel critical and ashamed of polygamy? Was like you know, he's, and he's saying that... Funny, we've said this before, but there's a certain pride a certain uh, something when you say, well, I come from a polygamist background. Yeah. My great-great-grandfather was a three-time polygamist. So why is know? he saying that they're ashamed, apologetic? I don't, I, I don't, I don't quite grasp that, but maybe it's those questions that he said yeah, they were asking maybe. him. But he maintained that the LDS should not be apologetic about the church at any point, nor should they dishonor their pioneer ancestors by trampling underfoot their great doctrines, which include polygamy. Now, that's hardly true concerning the attitude that they today's LDS have on them against the Mormon fundamentalists. Yeah. And and their polygamy. They're forgetting, too, that it's their Joseph Smith who started it all and who labeled it an everlasting covenant. Yeah. By the way, we want our polygamous viewers to know that we are not, we, our ministry, our show is not, are not enemies of the polygamous people. We are against polygamy because the Bible never commands it and polygamy has nothing to do with getting into heaven like they believe. But we love the people and we want polygamists to know the truth. And of course, I still have plenty of loved oh, ones yeah. who are still in the polygamy group and I sure don't hate them. Now, the leaders of polygamy groups, however, are willingly and knowingly deceiving their trusting members. And they know that people outside 
outside of their groups know that, but their members don't know it, and that's the tragedy. But yeah. back to the book. Stuart writes this. For our own sake, we cannot afford to trample underfoot nor undermine a great truth revealed by God, but rather should hold it sacred, because others deprived of deprived us of our right to live this principle, should we deprive ourselves of an understanding and appreciation of it? Now, no one has the right to break the law, and no one has the right to force someone through brainwashing or other methods to enter into a marriage they'd rather not have. On page 14, he writes, Since the LDS Church is silent on polygamy today, it is evident that it regrets and is embarrassed by plural marriage. But he also said the church has never and will never renounce the doctrine of polygamy. They're in a hard place, aren't they? Yeah, and that the revelation, of course, which is Section 132 yeah. is still an integral part of LDS scripture. He seems to waffle on the issue, uh, making it sound like polygamy should not be apologized for, that they should still be able to live it because it's supposed to be so sacred. Yet on page 15, he seems to support the manifesto. He writes that the apostate polygamy groups are mushrooming throughout Mormonism. That's true. And he chides them because they think that plural marriage must be lived regardless of what church policy is. We quote, In an attempt to justify their position, the leaders of some of those factions have contrived some rather absurd, absurd stories of priesthood authority, alleged secret ordinations, and other claims amounting to priestcraft. Now... That sent me in orbit. That's the pot calling the kettle black. Why yeah. are their stories any more absurd than Joseph Smith's stories are sure. or were? And, and we don't say that to validate Joseph Smith at all, but their validity must be equally judged. Now, he warned that a Mormon man who joined a polygamy group would not only lose his membership in the LDS that's, Church, that's but he would forfeit any claim to eternity with any of his wives, which in the end defeats the purpose of being a polygamist to start with. Yeah, you lose your temple <laughs> blessings, I guess, huh? Yeah, you lose it all if you leave the church and become a polygamist. But, of course, that's... <laughs> and it's interesting that he gave no warnings to the female who would join a polygamy group, uh, just to the male. Now, note that these are all just man's opinions and have no divine foundation at all. About the doctrine that polygamists embrace, he said this... As a careful reading of it will reveal, apostate literature is self-contradictory and even self-condemning, as well as it being at variance with church policy. Such is the sure trademark of all spurious satanic revelation. Now, he condemns polygamous literature, yeah. but he gives no examples to back up what he said. And the same is true, what he uh, said, the same is true with Mormon doctrine. That's true. There is so much self-contradiction that we couldn't do enough shows to expose all of it. And we've done several shows about it in yeah. the past already. If polygamous doctrine is, as he claims, the sure trademark of satanic, of satanic revelation, then the same is true for LDS doctrine, because it's all from the same source. Yep. And remember, the polygamous doctrine come from Joseph Smith, and this Mormon author calls it satanic. Then he refers to the Mormon doctrine of becoming gods, calling it ennobling and challenging and thrilling. Yet the devil is the devil because of his desire to become like God. It was the devil who first promised humans that they could become like God. But this author 
like Brigham Young and others, used the doctrine of becoming gods as the basis for plural marriage. So where did the idea come from? We quote. Yeah, this is on page, pages 40 and 41. The reason that the Lord, through the prophet Joseph Smith, introduced the doctrine of plural marriage, and the reason that the church, though forced by evil circumstances to suspend its practice, has never and will never relinquish the doctrine of plural marriage, is simply this. The major purpose of the church is to help man attain the great eternal destiny, to help prepare and qualify men and women to be candidates for the celestial kingdom on the road to eventual godhood and goddesshood, and plural marriage is the patriarchal order of marriage lived by God and others who reign in the celestial kingdom. As well might the church relinquish its claim to the priesthood as the doctrine of plural marriage. This, of course, does not imply any criticism of monogamous marriage properly lived. Oh, my. Talking. <laughs> so he's against polygamous apostates, but he's for plural marriage because that's how they become God. But monogamy is okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> strange sets of rules in their minds. Yeah. We're going to skip now uh, on this book because it's mostly about plural marriage rather than so much about Brigham Young, but yeah. we're going to go to pages 66 and 67 and there we're going to re re address his remarks about Brigham Young's polygamy. He writes how uh, plural marriage should be lived, uh, how a man must love all his wives with perfect love. He writes that if a man had a hundred wives, he can love them all with the same intensity that he loves one. Obviously, he's never faced that he's challenge. He's never been married to a hundred women. <laughs> and of course, maybe he forgot what God thought about Samson or uh, Solomon's polygamy. Yeah. But he seems to be flip-flopping all over the place about his position on plural marriage, and it's obvious that he really embraces and likes the idea. People for a long time have charged that polygamy takes away the rights of females. And so he asked the question, what rights of women does polygamy take away? And then his answer, of course, was another one that threw me into orbit. Oh, my. Because what he said is so against God's revealed moral standard. He asked that if a woman voluntarily wants to pursue a married man, what rights have been taken away from her? He answered himself by saying none. And then he goes on to write this. On the other hand, the rights of women are destroyed and taken from them in prohibiting them by law to have the man of their choice. They are compelled by legislative enactments to relinquish all hopes of marrying a man upon whom their affections are placed. Give women their right, let them marry the man of their choice. So it takes There's away... There's a little flip-flopping Oh here, it? <laughs> my! It takes away a woman's right to choose a married man? She has the right to marry him just because her affections are on him? That's not a right. That's a wrong. And that's no one's person's rights are more precious than the rights of anyone else. And God calls it adultery. How can God talk out of both sides of his mouth? Calling polygamy a revelation from God is heresy. It is false doctrine, false prophets saying God told them something he didn't tell them. God is neither immoral nor changeable. He, he did not command plural marriage using the author's own words. Polygamy is a satanic revelation, not a divine revelation. And this, by the way, is the purpose of our program yeah. and our ministry. We are not moral policemen. And we don't want to be either. 
But we do have the obligation as believers in God and in His Word and His integrity to do this. Yeah, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And that's what the doctrine of polygamy does. Polygamy is not a sound doctrine. And Paul also encourages Titus how to teach God's word. Yeah, from chapter 1, verses 9, 13, and 14. We, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. And then also Titus 2 verse 15, encourage and rebuke all, uh, I'm sorry, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Okay, so that's what we do. We, we want to bring sound doctrine into the teachings of early Mormonism, especially the polygamy doctrine and the practices yeah. of polygamy groups. Yeah. And, and the, the fact that you can become a god if you're a polygamist and a goddess if you're married to a polygamous man and all that is, is, is not sound doctrine mm -hmm. at all. He maintains, back to the women's rights, if, if they choose polygamy, he maintains, by the way, uh, just to go back to that, what, what rights have a woman trampled on if she chooses that she wants to marry a married man? He can turn that around, you know. What rights does a man step on if he chooses that he wants to have a married woman? What rights does the man, the married what, man? Yeah, if a woman has a right to choose a married man, doesn't a man have a right to choose a married woman? Well, you'd think that would be yeah, well, equal. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, he maintains Good that point. <laughs> <laughs> that is within her rights for a female to choose to marry a married man, but neglects the fact that in doing so, she's taking away the rights of others. First of all, she has a right to have her own private husband. That's what God says anyway. If she wants to be a, a mistress, that isn't an honest right. No. Secondly, the man's first wife has her rights too. That's right. And very few of them ever want their husband to start taking other wives. And third, the husband has a right and an obligation to have only one wife, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2, and not to share himself with other females. And four, future children have a right to a father who is not so divided in resources and attention that he doesn't properly be a father to them or provide for them. And that's just a few of the rights that are trampled on mm. in the practice of polygamy. So women's rights are not being legislated. Yeah. by having an anti-polygamy law <laughs> at all. On page 69, he records more heretical doctrine that are embraced by polygamists. Yeah, he says, It is marriage between a worthy son of God and worthy daughters of God, he a bearer of the holy priesthood, a patriarch to his family, a king and priest unto God, and himself a God in embryo, a virtuous sisterhood of wives in a sacred family, circle, queens and priestesses unto their husband, goddesses of an eternal future. Oh my, 
This sounds like Roman theology, it mythology, really does. doesn't it? it? Does. Roman and Greek mythology, which is exactly what the Bible warns us against in Second Timothy. Yeah, to repeat that four verse four, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, again, I want to go back to your experience as a Mormon. Were you taught about becoming a god with having goddesses and all that surrounding you? That was yeah. I mean, that was the whole purpose of going to the temple and being married for time and all eternity. And an understanding that my first wife, or my, my wife, would have first refusal, be able to refuse me any future wives, she, she had that right. But then it, we also know from what Joseph Smith or the Doctrine and Covenants teaches that if they, have, they take that, that right away from me, that they'll be punished for eternity if, mm -hmm. they, if mm -hmm. they don't let me be polygamous. But yeah, that, that was our, our understanding that we would have few, have many wives in heaven. It's just a, I mean, that's just, and then section 132, as you've already said, mm -hmm. is still in the, in the current do Doctrine and Covenants. It's there. Yeah. And we have apostles who have been sealed and married, so to speak, to two, to more, to than, more one. than one woman. Exactly. So they're expecting temple. to live polygamy in, in the heavens. Expecting to be gods and goddesses. They're going to be full of surprises up there, don't yeah, you A very big surprise. <laughs> the moment they open their eyes after death, they yeah. will be very surprised. Yeah. He goes on to say in his book that there has always been and always will be a far greater number of worthy women than men upon the earth, which means that there are far more women in the celestial kingdom than men. Now, you know, there must be daydreaming, big daydreaming going on here. You know, that's a very convenient statistic. But we ask, how does anyone know that? That's right. <laughs> Where's the reference uh, from God that more women are worthy of heaven than men? And what makes a person worthy? Uh, Is it Mormonism? Good question. Or polygamy? Or keeping the Ten Commandments? Or keeping the Ten Commandments and a few hundred more commandments that your religion has concocted. Uh, is it tithing yeah, that, that makes you worthy. worthy or temple attendance or wearing your garments? What makes a person worthy? And why, more, why more women than men? Now the Bible teaches actually there's not a single person on the planet that's worthy ever. And that's why we need Jesus. And Jesus is not only everything we need, he is enough. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's a glorious message. It's, it is a wonderful message. It has nothing to do with all of the do's and don'ts and works and polygamy that's and right. God and goddesses and all of that that we hear about. Now, this author has laid the foundation of approval of plural marriage, Mormon style, he proceeds to discuss Brigham Young and his polygamy. We quote, All the company now seems to be talking of Brigham Young and his greatness, which is an interesting thing because <laughs> I was just talking to somebody and they've been through the visitor center on Temple Square and there's no nothing about Brigham Young in this. In is the, that right? In the visitor center. Interesting. Anyway, all the company now seems to be talking of Brigham Young and his greatness. Brigham Young, prophet, seer, and revelator, a king and a priest unto God, himself a god in embryo, the revered husband of many wives and father of many children, president of the church, governor of Utah, the great and respected colonizer of the American Southwest, prosperous and powerful, his word law to thousands of followers. Whoa, I thought God's word was law. I didn't know it was Brigham's. Praise to the man. <laughs> Praise to the man, yeah. This is worship of men. It is. And it is very, very dangerous. And yeah. God's in embryo. I mean, that's taking it far. Yeah. 
We know of this as a myth, of course, because thousands of years before Brigham Young took a breath of life, God warned against those who teach Satan's lie that they could or would become gods or like God, as mentioned already. That's why the angel called Lucifer became the devil. Brigham Young is credited with a varying number of wives. Some claim he had 27, others that he had 56, but there are a documented 55 wives, which seems to be the correct number. And that picture on the screen is a picture of 55 women, not pictures of, of everyone, because obviously they didn't have them, but um, there is at least 150 more wives sealed to him after he died. Oh. See, that's what I always thought about Joseph Smith and his polygamy, that, that was the, it was those sealed to him after he well, died. And that a lot of people think that. Yeah. Stanley Ivins records that Brigham Young took eight wives in a single month, and four of them he took in the same day. Now, that'd sure make a woman feel special on true, her wedding day, love. wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, true love. He had 56 children by only 16 of his wives, and he legally adopted three stepchildren. He first got married, uh, married at the age of 23, Later, his first wife died, and he legally remarried at the age of 32, but he didn't enter into plural marriage until he was 41 years old, and he took his last plural wife when he was 68 years old. Nine of his plural wives were plural widows of Joseph Smith, which is a good benefit for <laughs> the leadership of, yeah, of, of the polygamy group. At least eight of his plural wives were already legally married to living husbands wow. when he married them, which was treading upon the rights of someone else, but is not unusual in Mormon polygamy. Joseph Smith himself married 11 women who were already married to living husbands, and Parley P. Pratt was killed because he ran away with another man's wife. <laughs> and a question that I have asked of polygamous men who take dozens of wives, when is enough enough? I know. How when would you, you do that? When you can't, <laughs> why can't they stop at two or three? You know, if living polygamy was truly required, two or three wives makes you polygamous. Why have so many? I know. So far, I haven't ever received an answer. Is it kind of a glory thing? I know uh, Warren Jeffs had so many. Well, I think his was a little more deep deep than that. I think some of them are too. But anyway, that's the end of part two yeah, of our Brigham Young. Stuff. And we'll be doing part three next. And, and then we'll have four parts. Hope people will do like a little this. more research on this stuff, don't you? Uh, that's what we want, is yeah. them to get in and dig and research for themselves. Yep. Okay, so thank you, you Earl, for, you for your help. You know, uh, So uh, as we've learned, according to Mormon polygamy, it's okay for a woman to set her eyes on any man she wants, and it doesn't matter if he's married. And it's okay to marry underage girls and to take dozens of plural wives. Where are the moral boundaries? You know, God has set one boundary, and it's thou shalt not commit adultery, and that covers it all. This commandment alone leaves no room for the doctrine of polygamy. There is no provision from God that adultery is okay if the legal wife agrees to it, which is precisely what polygamists believe. God's way is based on exclusive and unconditional love. Polygamy cannot measure up to such a high calling as that. And Jesus' final words on the cross was, It is finished, done, perfected. Jesus did that, not polygamy. So you don't need polygamy because Jesus is all you need. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. 
You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.